That may be my favorite sign. Jesus is clutch. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, I love that. Sean Spencer and his, his family. Awesome, awesome family. Apparently, uh, our, our Muskie family here is pretty clutch, too. Uh, congrats to them, man. That's awesome for winning the state final. That's so cool. Congrats. That's great stuff. Listen, today... I am excited about doing something I've never done really before. Uh, it's something that Jesus did oftentimes when he was teaching throughout Scripture, and that is teaching from a boat, all right? And how many of you love to boat? You love being on the water, absolutely, a lot of you out there. And one of the things I know that you love about being on a boat, you know, on a hot day when the sun is beating down on the water, is when you can reach for one of these, and you grab your cooler... And inside are some icy, cold beverages. And, I, and I, my mama taught me to share. So anybody like a Mountain Dew? Anybody? All right. Steven? No, no, no thanks. You, you work for me. Here you go. Here are the Mountain Dew for you. Anybody over there? Anybody want a Pepsi? Anybody Pepsi people? I feel like Oprah right now. Yeah? <laughs> Everybody has one under their seat. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm not that generous. All right. Well, another thing people say, you know, I know a lot of people in this room, when you're on a boat, that you would never be complete on your day without one of these in your hand, right? Where's our, where's our fishermen, our fisher ladies, right? I am not one. I hate to fish, right? Nothing is more boring to me. Uh, my boys love to fish. This is one of their fishing poles, actually. So I'm trying to learn they love being on the water. Um, but if it was up to me to save my family by what I caught, to feed my family, we would be dead. All right? We wouldn't have a chance. But some of you, you are highly invested in your fishing. You've got your bass boats. You've got your fish finders. You've got your depth finders. You have your live wells. I don't know what any of those things are, but you have them. Some of you, though, say a day on the water wouldn't be complete without one of these a wakeboard, or skis, and you just love the feeling of ripping through the water. And some of you are going, I wouldn't be caught dead on one of those. Others of you, though, in this room, you're, you're hearing me talk about being on a boat, and you're already starting to beat up with sweat, and your heart's kind of beating a little faster, because the first thing that you would want to make sure that is on the boat is one of these, your life jacket. And maybe it was because you had a traumatic experience as a child on the water, or maybe you never, ever learned to swim. And so the first thing that you would be looking for is a life jacket. But some of you know what I'm talking about, that one of the best things to have on the boat is one of these, a pillow. Because if you have never taken a nap on a boat, you haven't truly lived. Because it's like a multi-sensory experience. You feel the up and down and up and down as the wake kind of goes under your boat. You, 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 you feel the breeze on your face. You hear the sound of the water lapping up against the boat, this rhythmic hearing thing. You, and you just want to take a nap. If you've never done that before, you need to try it out. And in Mark chapter 4, that's where we find Jesus. He's on a boat, and he's about to take a nap because he is exhausted. The reason why he's so tired is he's been on the beach all day long. You ever been to the beach all day? You're not doing anything, but you get back to your hotel room, and you're like, I am beat. 
because the sun just zaps you and, and, and you're tired. And he's been teaching all day long and crowds of people have been coming to the beach and they're pressing in on Jesus on all sides because they want to get closer and closer to him. And matter of fact, Jesus keeps kind of backing up until his, his feet are maybe even in the water and they keep coming. So he steps onto a, a fisherman's boat there and he tells to his disciples, hey, get in this boat. Let's cast off just a little bit off the, off the water so I can have a better teaching uh, vantage point. Now, you may not know this, but teaching or, or preaching, it takes it out of you. One of my ministry mentors is a guy by the name of Howard Brammer. And actually, years ago, he used to be the lead minister at the Fairfield Christian Church in Lancaster, not too far from here. But actually, when I knew him, and worked with him. It was at the Traders Point Christian Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Howard told me one time that preaching one sermon was the equivalent to an eight-hour workday. That that's how much energy that you put out while you're thinking through your message and trying to connect with people and, and thinking all the different things you need to do and all this. It, it, it takes a lot out of you. So preaching three times, like we do here at North Terrace, would be the equivalent of, I guess, 24-hour workday. Now, there's no science that I know that proves that, what Howard was saying. But at the end of a day where I preach three times, I tell you, I feel it. I feel like it's true. And I'm looking for a place to take a nap on Sunday afternoons. So Jesus, he's exhausted. He's on the boat. He looks to his disciples and says, guys, I need a break. Let's take the boat to the other side of the lake. And they do. And while they're going across the lake, the sun begins to dip below the horizon. The weather turns to some cool breeze coming on the boat. Jesus hears that sound of the water just slapping against the boat. And he goes to the stern of the ship and takes a pillow, and goes to sleep. I love scenes like this in the Bible because it reminds us that even though Jesus was fully God, he was also fully human. How cool is that to think of? That the Son of God, the one who created the universe, needed a nap. He got tired. And we are called to be like Jesus. So don't feel guilty the next time you feel like you want to curl up and take a little siesta, right? At work, take a nap. Your boss walks in, say, hey, Matt Mahaffey, lead minister of North Terrace, said I need to be more like Jesus. I'm taking a nap. See how that works out for you. Yeah. Maybe not. But Jesus takes a nap. And while they're on the other side of the lake, Everything changes. What was once a calm and quiet boat ride now has turned into a very dangerous situation as a storm has overcome the Sea of Galilee. The Bible in the Greek language calls it a mega seismos storm. Mega meaning huge. Seismos is a word we use for earthquakes and seismic ships and, and we measure earthquakes with a seismograph, right? So it's these huge, 
disciples are freaking out because many of them are fishermen, right? They know how many bodies the, 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 the Sea of Galilee has already claimed that other fishermen who have, who have been taken because of, of storms like this one on the sea. And they're running around, the rain is coming down, the lightning and the thunder is crashing, the waves are coming on the boat. And there's, they, they, they see Jesus asleep on the boat and they get ticked off. They're going, Jesus, this was your idea to take this three hour tour. And you're not doing anything to help. And they're trying to wake him up. Jesus, wake up, look around us. Do you see what's happening? We're gonna die out here. Don't you even care. You ever said those words to God before? You ever looked up to God in the middle of a storm and said, God, don't you even care? that my husband has left and I'm here raising my kids all by myself. Don't you even care that I'm in the middle of this financial storm and I don't see any way out. God, don't you even care that these were supposed to be the golden years of my life and now cancer, Alzheimer's, a stroke. Don't you even care? We've been trying so hard to have kids but another miscarriage? kidding me? God, don't you even care? Have you ever said those words to Jesus? I have. And the disciples say, don't you even care that we're going to drown out here? Jesus kind of gets up. He's not panicking because the disciples are panicking. He just wipes the sleep out of his eyes and then clears the cobwebs and says three simple words. Still. Three words. Parents, you try that with your kids and see how well they obey. And Jesus says, peace, be still. And the wind and the waves obey. And I love that in Mark chapter 4, verse 41, the disciples, that says that they were terrified. They were terrified and asked the question, who is this Man, even the wind, even the waves obey his commands. I love that detail here in scripture. That they were afraid of the storm, but they were terrified of Jesus. They were terrified to be in the presence of this man who had this kind of power. And they said, who is this man? And today I want to ask you, how do you answer that question? Who is this man? Who is Jesus? Who do you say he is? And this is a big deal kind of question. This is a mega seismos question. Because who you say Jesus is defines who you are. And during this series, we've been talking about Jesus is. I want to remind you of where we've been. Week one, Chris talked about how Jesus is an escape artist. How Jesus, oftentimes in scripture, we see him going away from all the distractions and being in the presence of God the Father and hearing from him and seeking his will for his life. And I say, if Jesus did that, the Son of God, how much more do we need to be doing the same? Taking the word of God and and, and hearing from him speak to us and seeking his will for our lives. And then we talked about how Jesus is the life of the party. 
That yeah, Jesus came to us full of grace and full of truth, but how Jesus also came full of joy. And now as followers of Christ with him living inside of us, that we're to bring the party of heaven with us wherever we go to whoever we meet. That Jesus, Chris talked about last week, that Jesus is is a wrecking ball. That we come to God with all these preconceived ideas about who he is, and Jesus comes in and wrecks them all to pieces and says, no, no, you look at me. When you see me, you see God. And today we're going to talk about that Jesus is a storm chaser. And one name that Jesus is adequately given throughout scripture is that he is called the Prince of Peace. And I want to read to you of one of my favorite descriptions of who Jesus is in the Bible from the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 1. I want to read this to you. It says, it says Christ is the visible image of the, vis- of the invisible God. So in other words, when you look at Jesus, like I said, you see who God is. He's the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. He is supreme over all creation. For through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him, and he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the storm chaser. He's the one who holds all creation together, and all things were created through him and for him. The Bible says that God created everything, the universe, the world, ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. Which is just another reason of the long list of things of why he is God and we are not. Because we can't do that. We can't create anything out of nothing. You might say, well, I created dinner tonight from scratch. No, you didn't. You started with ingredients. You could take me to your garage and say, look at this new car that I built from scratch. No, you didn't. You got, went to an auto parts store. You had materials and you put them together. You, an artist might say, I wrote this song or I created this painting from scratch. No, you didn't. Because even your artistic mind, the talent, where did that come from? It came from God. And it would be awesome if you and I could create ex nihilo out of nothing, because you could walk out to your driveway where your old clunker sits, it's leaking oil, and say, let there be Mercedes, right? <laughs> or students, you could look at your grade card where there's a D plus and say, let there be an A, and instantly there's an A. But only God can create ex nihilo, and he is the one who spoke everything into existence. He is the one who can speak to a mega seismos storm. He is the one who was created, who created, everything was created through him and for him and holds all things together. And I I love the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's a Bible I think every parent 
should have and should read to their children every night. Actually, we just finished it again last night. And it's a reason why I think whenever we have a newborn child here in our church, we like to deliver a, a basket of goodies to mom and dad or mom. And, and we, we, one of those is the Jesus Storybook Bible. We also give, which I think is pretty cool, I love these, our little one more onesies. How cute is that, right? Now, I'm still hoping for our first multiple birth. Because it's fun to see those pictures on Facebook with twins or triplets and seeing one more, one more, one more. My money's on Katie and Peyton Norris, but I'm not sure about that. We'll see. Well, what I love so much about the Jesus Storybook Bible, I love the way that this story that we just looked at, when the, when the, when the waves and the wind are calmed and stilled by Jesus, after he says those words, peace be still, I love what it says here. It says, the wind and the waves recognized Jesus' voice. They'd heard it before. Of course. It was the same voice that made them in the very beginning. They listened to Jesus and they did what he said. Jesus said, peace be still. And the waves peeked up and said, I know that voice. It's that same voice who said back in Genesis 1, back in Genesis 2, let there be waters and let them fill the earth. And they recognized the voice and they obeyed him. And how do I wish that when we are in the middle of the storms that we face, would we be as quick to recognize the voice of our creator and be as obedient to it as the wind and the waves were. How easily we forget how powerful, how awesome is the creator of the universe. When I was young, there was a a Disney movie that came out called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And if you've never seen this before, there's a professor who accidentally shrunk his kids with a shrink ray that he created and also shrunk their friends. And there was a, at Disney World and Hollywood Studios, there was an attraction that was built uh, as part of this movie. And it was, called, it was a children's playground called the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids Playground. And I would take my kids there when we were living in Orlando. And it's like when you walk in, you are immediately shrunk down. To size, and these blades of grass reached to the sky, and these big, massive leaves, and the kids could climb up, and they could slide down, and there's a giant super soaker water gun in, in, in there as well that would, sh- would shoot out water and drench people who are walking by, and this giant can of Play-Doh and all that kind of stuff. And, but ever since the beginning of time, we have been trying to shrink God down to a miniature size, trying to make him less than he truly is. Some people try to shrink God down to the form of a golden cross and wear it around their neck. Some people try to shrink God down into the form of a large leather-bound family Bible that gets passed down generation after generation, and now it sits on their coffee table as this little decoration. We shrink God down to a more manageable size, trying to make him more easier to handle for us. And church people do this all the time. We try to shrink God down into the size of a communion table. 
We try to shrink God down into the, to a, a ministry program that's been going on through the church for years. We try to shrink God down, sometimes even to the size of a church building. And we say, this is God's house. And we come here thinking that God has a bedroom somewhere in the back. And that when we come here, we are now in God's space. But when we leave this place, now God is not going with us. Now it's on our time and we can do what we want. And I think it makes us feel more comfortable that way to think that we can contain God somehow. That we can shrink him down and make him less than. But can I tell you that God is the most shrink-resistant entity in the universe. That he is bigger than. That he is more powerful than. He is greater than any storm that we might face because all creation he holds in his hand. The writer of Psalms says this, Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. So what do we do with this? This reminder of who God is, that he is all-powerful, that he is the creator of all things, that all things are, are, are in his hands. Because all of us face different kind of storms, different shapes, and different sizes. They all come in all of our lives. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was going through some old stuff, and I, I came across one of my old prayer journals. And this one's from 2009. And this, 2009 for us was like the Charles Dickens classic, the tale of two cities and how that one starts. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. It was the best of times because that was the year that we went to Taiwan and brought our first son home. And then in November, we found out that he had a brother, that we were going to go back to Taiwan and bring him home. But it was also the worst of times in a lot of ways. And as I was going through this journal and reading prayer after prayer, I was like transformed back to that guy writing these things down and asking God, would you please take the pain away? Would you please still this storm? And time and time again, in my life, in this journal, I have seen all too well that God always leaves us with anchors that we can tether ourselves to no matter what comes in our life. And I want to share two of those anchors with you today. You can write these down in your notes there. One is this. When Jesus is at the center of your life, peace will be at the center of your soul. One day, Jesus' disciples, they were afraid again because Jesus just broke the news. Guys, I'm leaving. And they were afraid because they weren't ready to face the storms without Jesus being in the boat with them. They weren't ready to to go with life after they've gone three years leaving everything behind, following after Jesus. They weren't ready for this. But Jesus calms their storms and ours with this promise from John 14. He says, peace I leave with you. Peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
And notice that Jesus says, I don't give peace the way the world gives peace. Because how does the world give peace? The, the world views peace as an absence of conflict, right? That there's two groups who are, who are waging war with one another, and then the diplomats step in and they try to, to bang out a, a, a truce or a treaty. They sign it, and then everybody puts down their weapons for a time until it's time to pick up their weapons again. So it's this temporary peace. But Jesus says, my peace is different. My peace goes deeper than that. It's not an absence of conflict. It's a peace and a calm within you in the midst of the conflict, in the midst of the storm. It's a confidence that even in the midst of the storm, that God is in the boat with us and he's big enough to handle it. This anchor means that the peace is not dependent on our circumstances. It's not dependent on our emotions that always fluctuate like the waves. But that our peace is anchored to the character of who God is. His love, his faithfulness, his grace, his patience, his mercy. When those things are at the core of our being, then peace is no longer this fleeting thing that we're always trying to chase after. But your peace is anchored from knowing that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and the Storm Chaser. You know, at any given time, there's people in North Terrace who are going through all kinds of mega seismic storms. This week, I was thinking about family members who just lost a loved one, just found out before third service that Ray Krupa passed away last night. And his family is off to Florida right now to to go visit with him and be with him. And their, their world has been rocked just today. It was totally unexpected. I think of families who are battling cancer, I think of families who are in financial trouble with jobs being lost. I think of families who have other family members in prison or who have created their own prison because of addictions. We all know far too well what it's like to go through storms. And where do you find peace when you lose your job? Where do you find peace when your teenage daughter comes to you and says, I'm pregnant? Where do you find peace when you lose a loved one, when when your marriage is on the rocks? Where do you find your peace when the drunk driver crosses the median? Where do you find your peace when the doctor calls you up and says, the test results are back and we have found something? Where do you find Jesus in those moments? You will find him in the same place that I found him in 2009, when I was at the lowest point of my ministry career, and I felt like a failure. And I felt, God, did, did I hear you correctly when I thought you called me into this thing of ministry? Because I feel like I'm the worst ever. You will find him in the same place when I felt like I had no one else to turn to, and I was utterly alone. You will find him in the same place that Janie and I found him when we've lost loved ones, when we faced storms that we didn't know if we would be, ever be able to weather. We, you will find him in the same place that we have found them when friends of ours stabbed us in the back and betrayed us, when we 
had given them our full trust. I'm telling you from personal experience that you will find the one who says to the storms, peace be still. You will find the storm chaser and he will love you and he will overwhelm you with his presence when Jesus is at the center of your heart and life, your peace will be at the center of your soul. That's the first anchor I want for you that only comes with having Jesus in your boat with you. The second anchor is this, is you need to stop looking at your storms and you need to start looking through your storms. I think that was one of the disciples' biggest problems on the boat is that they were too busy looking at the storms. They're looking at the wind, they're looking at the waves, and, 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 the, and the waves that they're crashing onto the boat. Instead of looking through the storm at the one at the stern of the boat, the silhouette reaching his arms out and getting ready to say, peace be still. And I believe that Jesus wasn't just saying that to the, to the water and the wind and all that. He was also talking to his disciples. Go back to Disney World with me one more time here. One of my, my boy's favorite attractions at Epcot is this ride called Test Track, where you get to design your own vehicle on a touchscreen, and then you get to take a, a, a test drive in a vehicle through all kinds of performance tests. You go through one room, and it takes you through some weather resistance. You, you, go, you go to another room, and it, it tests how it handles on curves. Another room tests its braking system. And then the last room you come to, there is the acceleration room. And you, you notice that on the other side of the room is a wall. It's pretty far away. But all of a sudden, you go from zero to 65 in no time. And all of a sudden, that wall is getting closer and closer and closer. And your mind is starting to think, wait a minute. This is Disney World. I'm not going to die, right? But is that wall going to move? Because we're not going to break fast enough. And all of a sudden, at the last moment, that wall flies open. And you go outside of the room. And you're racing around the building in the Florida sun at 65 miles per hour. And you're going, this is amazing. The first time you ride that, you get a little nervous about that wall. But the next time, you know what's coming. And you're not even focused on the wall anymore. You're focused on what's through the wall. And you have to stop looking at your storms and start looking through your storms. And some of us, we've gone through storms months ago, years ago even, and we're still looking at them. We're still in the boat, numb with fear. It's all we can think about. We're we're, we're playing the film of that storm over and over again in our minds, and we keep playing the role of the storm-ravaged victim. And I want to say this to you with as much grace as I possibly can, because I have played the role of the victim before. And to be honest, it's easier. But Jesus didn't call us to be victims. Jesus calls us to be victors. But that can't happen unless we look through the storm at the one in the boat with us who is the storm chaser. And he's crazy about you. And he loves you. And he wants you to have life and have it to the full. And he can be the one who can bring peace no matter what storm you are facing. 
today I want to wrap up today with a a decision time, a little bit different than usual. In just a moment, Zach and the band are going to come out and, and, and lead us in one more song. And after... I pray they're going to to, to play the song. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment while this song is going on to pray and think about who Jesus is to you. Who do you say he is? And we have tables on both sides of the room and in the back with little white pieces of paper. And I encourage you that during this song, while the song is being played, that you would get up and go to one of the tables and write that decision out. Because I've heard two things about people. You are either someone who is in a storm now or you're about to be. And you need to decide now who is Jesus to you. And you can write that there if you want to take it with you, you can. If you want to leave it on the tables, we'll collect it and we'll put it up on the sides here for Easter services next week as your testimony about who Jesus is. All we ask is if you're, when you're done is that you would exit quietly so others who are still here worshiping can, can focus. And you're, and you're more than welcome also just to stay put. And if you want to sing and worship God that way, awesome. And listen, I'm going to be down here at the front row just sitting down. And if you have a decision you want to make even of, hey, I want to follow Christ today. Like the guy after second service who said, God's got a hold of me and I just want to, to give him everything. And we can baptize you today. We'll make that celebration happen. But we want everyone to make a decision today about who Jesus is, no matter what storm you may be facing. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask today that you would knock loudly on our hearts. And that God, if there's people who, right now have never made you Lord and Savior, that they would throw open their hearts and allow you in. That they would invite you in the boat as the storm chaser, the Prince of Peace, our Lord and Savior. Thank you for who you are. You are are the creator of all things. You have spoke us into existence and we thank you, God, for who you are. We ask that you would be mighty in our life, that you would wake us up, shake us up, bring us victory in the midst of our storms. God, I pray for those in this church, God, who are being ravaged right now, but they would look not at the storm, but through them and look and focus on you. God, do something special now. We invite you
quick, we have a young lady who uh, decided today she wants to get baptized. Her name is Kendall. And if you just hang on just a minute, they believe they'll be coming out in just a second. And uh, we'll celebrate this awesome, awesome decision today. We know God is moving a lot of people right now and a lot of things to be prayed for. Will you just pray with me real quick? God, we just love you so much. And we thank you, Father, for the way that you are speaking to uh, our hearts. You are such a great, amazing God. God, I pray for all the ways that you're going to be uh, making yourself real to people uh, even this week as you are healing and giving diagnosis uh, and just showing people, God, the way that you love us, even in the midst of our storms. So, Father, we, th- we celebrate also with those who are saying, you know, we, I need to come back to God. I need to come back through, through Jesus. And what a, better, what a great time to do it around Easter time. And, God, we know there's a lot of hurting people in this world today. And, and I pray that next week will be just a, another powerful Sunday where people will be coming back to you. So, th- Father, I thank you for another one coming home to you tonight and right, right now with Kendall. And so, Father, we just celebrate you for what you're going to do through her life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.